Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Dad's podcast. My co-host, Dr. David Wardy, is in the midst of traffic and is on his way, and we're going to invite him in as soon as he gets here. But in the meantime, I'm interviewing a brother also named Nick. Uh, his name's Nick Pinot, the, the EMF guy. He's a fellow Canadian brother of mine. He's on the East Coast holding it down over there in this crazy world that we're living in. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about him before we get started, but you probably have come across his book because he's sort of blown the lid on helping people understand this challenging world, this challenging modern world that we live in with uh, electromagnetic frequencies. So he's the number one best-selling author of the Non-Tinfoil Guide to EMFs, an advocate for safe technologies. Through his unconventional approach, blending humor, science, and common sense, he's becoming a leading voice on the topic of electromagnetic pollution and how it affects our health. So for the last few years, Nick has been interviewing some of the best minds on health and technology, facilitating the creation of courses and educational materials, which we're going to be speaking to very soon, uh, to help raise awareness on this very important issue. And you can find more about Nick at theemfguy.com. Nick, so good to have you here, buddy. Hey, Dr. Nick, my pleasure. We, we got a chance to meet you a number of years ago, uh, probably about three, four years ago. I think it was in Vegas. And uh, I love what you're doing, man. Like you're, you're a young guy, Thank you're you. vital, you. like you're so intelligent. And like I said, you're literally blowing the lid on, on helping us to understand this environment that we live in. So like, what, where'd you, where'd you start off on this? I mean, because you're, you're, you're a researcher by nature and whatnot and journalist. And, and so how did you fall into this category? Sometimes I wonder how how it all happened. Uh, it's almost a, you know it's almost a calling for me. In two thousand nine, I I, I started two thousand eight two thousand nine. I was uh, in uni. You know, university has been uh, rough on my health. It's a lot of drinking and not a lot of thinking about health, to be honest. At that time, um, and in two thousand nine, I was kind of starting to, uh, or at, at least finishing like my last year of uni, and I started getting into bodybuilding, wanted to gain a, a few pounds. I'm five four, so I guess I have this complex <laughs> of okay, I need to build muscle to kind of right. be a man, you know. So it was a lot of focus on that led to a lot of injuries, a lot of nonsense, but at least I got interested in health and it really started my journey when I, I, I listened to a few documentaries I remember one of them is Food Inc mm. uh, or you know these these groundbreaking do documentaries that came like in the early two, uh, 2010s that uh, talk uh, King Corn is another one you know all this broken food system that I came across and I was like oh my god I never heard about that did you know that high fructose corn syrup uh, the name in Canada is glucose fructose and mm. you're like oh really so it's kind of hidden and it, it got me really riled up because I'm 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 a humanist and I'm someone who thinks you know things should be simple for consumers when you buy something a can of soup why do you need a PG nutrition to be to be able to understand what the ingredient list is and when you try to buy it even went deeper than that because you know I joined the uh, organic food movement and uh, paleo eating and those kind of ideas and then I realized wait a minute, here in Quebec, I tried to buy beef and I have no way of knowing where it comes from. It's just written beef. 
what the heck right so instead of and we i travel all around the world with my wife at the time uh and uh well at the time i travel she's still my wife but but we wish to be traveling again by the no way kidding. And, uh, <laughs> i think next year we might do that but i was in uh bucharest or in uh, many eastern europe countries or in luxembourg for example and their labeling laws were flawless you mm. you saw for example this comes from luxembourg this is grass-fed animals from this farmer in this region, right? Wow. So this is, this is truth in labeling. And uh, I started uh, reporting on that, writing in French at the beginning uh, to my friends and family. Then I decided to switch to English just to, to have a more widespread uh, audience, you know, and it was 2010. And then um, I, I published eBooks on nutrition, weight loss, and my approach has always been holistic, going back to nature, eating natural foods, and also trying to decipher what the heck you're buying at the grocery store. That was really my background, a strong interest in communications, and that's my background. I have a bachelor's in communications. And then I had also a background in copywriting professionally. I spent three years in advertising for TV of all places. Now I don't, wow. I'm not a big advocate for mainstream media, let's to say the least. I'm, I'm quite the opposite, but I, I, I really um, developed my, my skills there to be able to express myself and to also position ideas in a certain way. So when I, cut, I, I stumbled upon uh, EMFs four or five years ago, started reading about it, and what shocked me is that it was exactly in the same vein. Uh, mm -hmm. Consumers are lied to or misinformed or simply the information is omitted from them that cell phones are not safe. And I read uh, Deborah Davis's book. She's a PhD with uh, a co-Nobel laureate uh, for a Peace Prize. Uh, she, she's extremely credible. And she has this book, Disconnect, that she published in mm -hmm. 2015. Really opened my eyes because why would a, a very mainstream scientist who's been fighting over um, uh, uh, stronger regulations for toxic chemicals argue that cell phones are not safe it's kind of career suicide right there so i'm very interested in contrarian ideas where people are putting it all on the line and are completely independent from any financial ties to governments or uh, big corporations and they're putting it all there saying guys we have a massive problem consumers are not informed and then this problem is not touching just uh, a handful of uh, or organic uh, paleo-focused guys that want to buy free-range eggs and are getting deceived. But we're talking about almost every single human being within the next few decades that's going to have a cell phone in their hands. In North America, it's almost true that it's basically everyone, including kids nowadays, that has at least one wireless device. If we talk, we talk about the phones or the smartphones or even the tablets, you know, or the wearables. And, the, and if we include Bluetooth headphones in there, we include all the teenagers, like everyone has access and impacts uh, to this electropollution. So it's really, to me, it was a calling because I found out, <laughs> I opened this uh, can of worms uh, and I never look back. I published my book in 2017. And since then, I've been trying to figure out how do we get the message out there in a way that uh, people can relate to and they don't feel threatened by Nick t trying to tell them to not use Wi-Fi. And they say, no, 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 that's my Wi-Fi. Don't you dare. Right. So I'm, I'm trying to find different educational solutions where people feel that uh, reducing their um, exposure to these waves is part of a healthy lifestyle. 
You know, mm. just like organic or filtering your water is, I'm trying to make it cool again. <laughs> Low EMF <laughs> is cool, right? So that's part of my mission. And uh, of course, part of it is staying very close to the science, to engineers who are taking home surveys and uh, really uh, close to the industry as well. I'm uh, watching over the, the 5G developments and the Internet of Things and the satellites. And it's a huge topic to explore. It's a lot of fun. And uh, for sure, it's a bit of doom and gloom, but I'm trying to make it a little bit more fun. Well, that's what I loved about you and in, in, in your book, too. Like, I, I love how you brought in humor and, and tried to make it as accessible as possible because, yeah. you know, whether we like it or not, technology is absolutely married to us and we're we're evolving with it and we have to find the right relationship with it. So on that trajectory to to evolution, do you think that... You know, and we'll talk a little bit about what the EMFs are doing in the body. But do you think that there's a way, you know, through our constant development to get into a proper harmony with with electromagnetics? Like, is there is there something better that we just haven't discovered yet that could actually work with our physiology? Or are you are you hopeful yeah. that that's the case? Potentially, I think that the 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 hyper focus in society at the moment is wireless. Everything is going wireless. I'm I'm even working on a podcast episode about a new technology that's charging your phone at a distance. So instead of using a, a wire, users want convenience, right? This is the new fast food: is wireless, 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 uh, or call it smart, right? Because that word smart really means wireless, and it's kind of ironic because it's anything but smart. It's just adding more <laughs> electropollution in your home. So the these guys, engineers, are so excited because they've developed these these technologies where they're bouncing electricity all around the, the room, increasing your exposure tremendously to electropollution. It's just it's just incredible, and it's charging your phone and it's charging your headphones, and now everything's going to be wireless. So it's wireless power, right? So that's a new idea in the industry that's going to come out in the next idea in the next few years. And the problem with that is we're hyper focused on wireless. When we know that the health effects are there, it's a class 2B carcinogen as of uh, 2011. And the researchers who are part of that committee at uh, the International Agency for Research on Cancer, a lot of them are saying, you know, looking at the science that came out from 2011 to 2021, well, there's new science, new studies, new major studies that have come out reinforcing that link between radio frequency radiation, which is your cell phone and Bluetooth and uh, cell towers and the Wi-Fi and all these gizmos and cancer. So there's a link there that was a class 2B carcinogen, but using the new data, they think it should be an, a 2A or 1. If it's a class 1 carcinogen, it means that we're all smoking. It's a class wow. one, like it's a definite carcinogen. So this is where science is going. So that's a big concern. Coming back to your question, because I'm diverting a little bit. If we focused on wired instead, like especially in applications like this computer in front of me, the computer in front of you, like it could be wired because you don't, I don't have to move around in this conversation. I can have an Ethernet cable. And then my yeah. connection that comes into my home should be a fiber optics connection where the 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 connection the internet travels in light signals and in special glass tubes and it makes it, it is the fastest connection you can have what most people don't realize is that the cell towers themselves are wired via uh, uh fiber optics <laughs> that's why they're fast and then they spread the internet uh, or the cellular network to your phone via wireless but you can wire your, your, your router, and this is how the internet enters your home, but you can have a connection that is 
multiple times faster than 5G or 6G or any future technology, the fastest and most reliable way to connect to the internet is in fact a wired connection. Mm -hmm. So the industry is pushing wireless because it's cool, it's convenient, and it's low cost. The reality is that the best technologies we have available are wired. So we should have more wired stuff. We should have wired in uh, restaurants, at tables. We should have wired in cafes, on bench parks. And there are so many applications where we could go wired. So that's one thing. And then the wireless itself, it's not studied or optimized for the, the lower amount of human stress or animal stress or bacterial stress. It's at the moment optimized for faster, faster downloads and uh, lower, uh, lower ping and better connectivity and more bandwidth. So unless the engineers are forced to look at the health component, at the moment, more, more wireless equals more health effects. So it's really why we're in a bad spot at the moment. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I love how you took it in those two different tracks of like what we already have and how we could better utilize that, but also, you know, uh, the the push for convenience and just utility and, and innovation is really, yeah. you know, it leaves the, the conversation of health behind. So let's let's dive a little bit because we love talking about cellular healing and, and how this plays a role. I know you love, uh, I think it's Dr. Martin Paul's, uh, you know, work. Is it Martin Paul? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. On understanding the, the NRF2 pathway and all that stuff. We don't have to go too deep, but if we could just talk about what is that wireless technology, that EMF, the radio waves, all those things, how is that playing a role in cellular function or what is it doing there? Yeah, there's a few theories that, that are going on. Dr. Martin Paul is one of the researchers that, that has put uh, an hypothesis forward about the, the voltage-gated calcium channels. So it, in his mind, the main mechanism of damage from EMFs is that these voltage-gated calcium channels at the surface of the human cell or cells that are found also in all of biology, including these channels have different variations of them. And also they could be impacting other uh, ionic channels such as magnesium or potassium channels or, um, or sodium channels, for example. But it could affect also plants, and this explains why plants also feel it, bacteria, animals, all of life, all of biology would be impacted via channels. And basically, you have an overflow of calcium into the cell. So it's disrupting this calcium balance. Usually, it's very high concentration of calcium outside the cell and very low inside. And it, it acts as a uh, almost a signaling mechanism. When you get calcium out, it means something. When you get calcium in, it means something. What happens when the EMF signal hits our cells or different cells in our, in our body, it looks like it disrupts uh, these, these gates that are supposed to stay uh, closed and it opens them very fast. And we know from uh, studies on, in fact, technologies that are beneficial, uh, like the PEMF technologies, pulse electromagnetic fields. Arthur Pilla is a researcher on that, and he showed that this effect is happening within a few seconds of exposure. So wow. we know that the effect is instant. So you have a Wi-Fi and your body starts feeling it, and now the calcium flows in faster. And what happens is then that there's a downstream effect to having too much calcium in the form of creation of different uh, uh, molecules that are damaging to the cell itself and probably the mitochondria. So one of them is uh, peroxynitrite, and that's a nitrogen species. And what is special about peroxynitrite is that it's the only oxidative uh, species that we know is able to travel 
into the mitochondria and cause damage because it's small enough. Whereas all the other ones that uh, we suspect might be the root cause of disease, they cannot do that physically. They're too large. So it's just interesting to know that maybe it's at the very root cause of disease. And there's, there's good research in many areas of medicine at the moment, including autism, including Alzheimer's, where peroxynitrite is started to be identified as uh, a root cause molecule to look at for, uh, for specific healing uh, or the development of drug. Like what if we can quench that peroxynitrite? How could we uh, ameliorate autism or even concussions, you know? So this entire pan of science of uh, urgentology and, and diseases or, or injuries is looking at peroxynitrite for one reason. And then Dr. Paul said, well, I think we're getting damage from EMFs and creating that peroxynitrite in the first place. And it is mine, and that's his scientific opinion, that autism is caused by EMFs and our exposure to electropollution combined in synergy with chemicals. So mm -hmm. it might be the glyphosate, it might be the heavy metals and, and the accumulation over generation also, which is uh, definitely in the scope of your work, I'm sure it's something you address. So we're increasingly toxic. And then we get the EMFs that uh, weaken the immune system, prevent you from getting to sleep uh, or, or sleeping deeply, uh, might impact your blood sugar. So the effects are, are manifold because we're talking about an agent that uh, could impact every single uh, body system. Uh, and, you know, so this is one way to look at it. Other researchers are looking at the direct effect on ATP production in the mitochondria. So it's sapping your, your mitochondrial energy over time. That would, that would lead to the same thing. You could have effects to the brain. You could have effects to the heart. You could have effects to hormones. So it, it, it's, it's why it's uh, difficult in, in, in our time where every, everything must be uh, reductionist, one ill and you get one pill to, to, to heal it. And then you look, I, I'm, I'm very discouraged when I look at Alzheimer's research and I see mm -hmm. so much, so, so good, so much, so many good minds uh, put their efforts in what I perceive to be the wrong direction, like a non-holistic treatment. They're trying to do gene therapy and like, oh, we're going to fix this one illness. But other researchers like uh, Dr. Dale Brennison or, or other cutting edge guys are saying, well, maybe it should be a holistic way. And, and I kind of laugh when I see that. I'm like, well, functional medicine has been around for decades and decades, and this is what these guys are doing, right? So, so EMFs can cause a lot of things and to lower the impacts of EMFs is also a lot of interventions. So you got to think about your EMF reduction in a holistic way, just like holistic medicine is a way to go. Holistic thinking about all the sources of EMFs that you're exposed to on a constant basis is also what's key when it comes to minimizing the effects. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's almost mind, mind blowing and, and, a little discouraging, I think, for a lot of people to think of like, oh, I got to think about heavy metal toxicity, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> food sensitivities, you know, just emotional stress, you know, pandemic stress, you know, you name it. And then on top of that, I got to start thinking about EMFs. But this, this is this is such an important discussion, it's, and your work is so critically important. And I think it is gaining a little bit more momentum. But what my curious point is that you know the the advancement in technology is so fast. That we'll never have, um, I mean, this is the first time in our experience where we're going to have our kids so bathed in, in this environmental soup that we're, that we're putting, you know, the put it, that we're putting them in. And this is sort of these first few generations that are going through this massive saturation in EMF. And this is definitely something different 
than, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But, but as you said, it's a holistic approach, but so you've got, you've got kids or you've got a, a child, right? Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you think about for this, these generations to come and how do you, how do you support that education for them? It's difficult, you know, as a, as a parent, uh, I wrote my book on Wi-Fi. So I have to confess, like I wasn't, I was very far from being perfect on an EMF standpoint, if that even exists. When I wrote my book, I wrote my book on Wi-Fi at Starbucks, blasting myself in the face. So that's kind of ironic, but I, it wasn't really a curiosity at the moment uh, when I wrote it uh, originally. Then I discovered that, you know, when I work uh, without Wi-Fi on an Ethernet cable, I feel better. Like I have more energy and I don't get brain fog. So I realized maybe I'm slightly sensitive or I'm more impacted than I, than I thought. So in a lot of situations... Whether it's adults or kids, it's removing the agent that leads to the greatest benefits or, or to them realizing how much it's used to impact them. Same thing for people who eat McDonald's all the time. Maybe they argue, you know, I feel, I feel fine. I feel energized. And, uh, I, okay, it's not true that I don't sleep that good. And they kind of deceive themselves a little bit when they stop the McDonald's and maybe try a paleo diet 30 days straight. They feel like a new person. And then they say, wait a minute, does it mean that before my baseline wasn't so good? Yet, yes, it means that. So when you remove EMFs and you start reducing your levels, the truth is that's when you see the effects. So sometimes people don't realize they're impacted. For kids, that's a whole nother problem yeah. because you are responsible as a parent, as a, as a dad or, or, or a mom to take decisions for them and minimize their risks. So when I became a dad, then I started taking things even more seriously because I can take my own risks and maybe expose myself to occasional things like Wi-Fi or even red wine. I mean, and, and, and junk food sometimes and things like that. Like I, I still enjoy a good life and I, I, I take my own risk. But for my kid, when he was zero year old in, in uh, mama's belly, I decided to turn off the Wi-Fi uh, definitely for good. And what we did is uh, we're running long uh, 50 feet um, Ethernet cables from the router to this room here. And same thing with uh, my wife's office there. She's a co-CEO of our company and a business coach. So she's always on a computer, but we're wired in. And at that point, we have no Wi-Fi in the home. We also have wires where we can wire in our phones because there's a converter between mm. Ethernet and the li uh, Lightning for uh, if you have an iPhone or you can have the equivalent for uh, Android. And it's probably like USB-C or other models before that micro USB and things like that. So you just look it up, but it's possible to wire your phone in. So what I do in the morning, you know, I'll wake up and I, I look at social media. Not a good habit. Still do it occasionally. <laughs> Looking at COVID news, sometimes it just starts my, my morning in <laughs> such a bad way. And I regret it in Instantly, sometimes you get a news. cortisol going, though, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, the world is an evil place, and there's a lot of stuff going on. It, it kind of gives me this feeling of being productive. But anyhow, whether it's that or looking at at the weather, I wire my phone in. So it's really it really comes down to environmental exposure for your kids. So that's what you can do for them is is minimize the amount of time they're spending in a home with Wi-Fi because you know Wi-Fi what is it doing? Well, if you if you see Wi-Fi on your phone in every room, it mil, it, it really uh, means that you've essentially electropolluted every room in your home. 
This is how this stuff works. So it's everywhere. So if you remove it only a few hours per day during the night, you're already doing good for your kid. For me, though, it was an issue because my kid is always playing in the living room and the Wi-Fi is there. So proximity is also a big thing when it comes to EMS, to the intensity that you're going to get. So if the kid has a phone and um, maybe uh, the kid is like six months old and playing with it because it's funny, well, it should be on the airplane mode. Same thing for a tablet, for example. And I see a lot of parents, unfortunately, they're handing a tablet uh, like a nanny. And that's not the judgment. It's just a societal reality that a lot of parents are struggling with kids' uh, attention and things like that. And just just to have them unplug a little bit or kind of turn off the kid button for a bit, you give them an iPad. And I understand the, the temptation to do that because everyone's doing it. So why, why would it be considered something unethical to do, right? Well, the problem is big exposure very close to their faces. And most kids will not hold the tablet that like, you won't tell a six-month-old like, oh, warning, this is an EMF-emitting device and you should be at 30 centimeters. No, it won't happen. They're, they're going to stare in it or hug it like a teddy bear so proximity is a big issue so what you should do as a parent is ensure that if you do have a wi-fi router it's not in a kid's room it's not uh within 10 to 15 feet of a of a pillow uh in your home if it is you you better move it away to the gar garage area and have a uh, the company come back and and wire the necessary things or completely turn off Wi-Fi and go wired. That's another possibility. And that's my top, one of the, my top recommendations uh, that we do in, in the electropollution fix course. There's also another thing you could do is uh, Ethernet over power line. So you have uh, basically from your router, the internet signal goes in every outlet in your home. So now you can go to any outlet, plug a special device and have an Ethernet cable go from the outlet to your computer. Wow. So imagine... The entire electricity in your home is now, yes, it, there's like Wi-Fi signal, but inside the electricity in your home, right? So it's a little bit more contained. So you can turn off Wi-Fi and have Ethernet everywhere. That's another option. A little bit, uh, Ethernet is slightly better, but it's still something that does a job for some people who don't want wires to run everywhere. And I know for a fact, when you have a kid that's, let's say, one-year-old, he's going to pick up those wires and try to tear everything apart. It's, that's part of the journey as a dad was to be patient with that because our solutions were not really kid-friendly. So that's one thing. And when it comes, just going back to the tablet, try to wire it in. Or the kid can have fun, you know, even if it's watching a movie in the car or playing a game, just prefer to have airplane mode and play these, uh, these games that can be played offline. There's plenty of them. Or some of them, it's an online game, but there's kind of an offline component or maybe uh, it, it won't save or uh, you won't have access to the next levels. But just try to make it happen. Or pre-download content, whether it's a movie or things like that. You can store content locally on the tablet and not be on streaming. Like activities such as gaming or streaming, it's really the most EMF intensive you can get. So it's really for kids, it's acute exposures to these machines very close to their bodies. It's really the number one thing you could do for your health, for, for, for their health and for your health would be to create distance and minimize time of use in these mm -hmm. situations. That's awesome. I love how you shared what you're doing at, at home as well. I mean, it's just such important information. And we've done that. I do that here in my clinic too. I wire into the internet nice. and I do that at home. And um, I need to get better at just flicking off the Wi-Fi at night. I think, David, you've got some timers on. 
Um, but hey, David just jumped in. We we got started on the podcast, and I know David's totally been. Can, he's been so excited to talk to you too, Nick. So David, you've you've sort of uh, jumped in halfway through here, but we talked a little bit about how Nick got into this. We we talked about some of the you know the challenges, obviously, with with parenting and and how this uh, plays around kids. We talked about some of the cellular mechanisms and whatnot as well. But I know you got a ton of questions for Nick. Uh, well, so um, you know, Nick, I was wondering if you could add, answer this. So one of the things I do at my house that uh, was interesting, the builder decided to put the Wi-Fi router hookup about five feet from the bedroom uh, where I sleep or the master bedroom. So what my solution initially was I put the modem in an RF cage and then I put a kill switch on it to kick off at nighttime while we're sleeping. And I did notice there was a massive reduction because I tested around the house once I yeah. put it in an RF cage. And I literally have to open the RF cage to get a signal across the house now because it's literally that that big of a difference. Is that enough possibly using an RF cage or would you still recommend to people to get it completely removed out of out of that area into another part of the house? Yeah, it it depends. Like during the day, if you're like if it's close to your pillow, uh, but you're not in your bedroom during the day, well, it's not that much of an issue if you turn it off at night. So it's really, you know, we have uh, something in the course we call the 3D system. It stands for downtime, then duration, and then distance. So downtime is the bedroom. So anything that impacts your sleep on an EMF standpoint is crucial. And it is 100% more important than other times during the day. And it, it's, it, it, it is both in the science and also the EMF mitigation specialists and also doctors that are EMF aware that have realized that, uh, I don't know if it's because of the, 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 the impact on the nervous system that electropollution has, but it's really the sleep quality that suffers first. And then, uh, well, blood sugar goes up and immunity goes down and hormones are all over the place. So if it, if it impacts your sleep, it's really the number one thing you should look at. So if you already turn it off at night and it's close to your bedroom, well, it's not that much of a big deal, except if like me, you have an office in your bedroom. So that, that way I would be exposed. So it goes to number two, duration. So if you spend a lot of time near that router, let's say eight, 10 hours uh, a day uh, times five days a week work week, uh, it could be a big issue because again, your biology will be there standing five feet from the router all day, every day. In that case, I would recommend, yes, the, the, like having that cage, wave cage, or there's different models out there. It will dampen the signal a lot. So that's good. Uh, for some people that get more sensitive over time, maybe they would need to go all the way to uh, turning off Wi-Fi completely or move the router away. If it's uh, the other side of, uh, of, of the garage or something like that where there's no one there, uh, it would be beneficial. Uh, and it's also distance, so it's closely uh, intertwined. But you got to look at duration first. Some people, you know, uh, unfortunately, EMFs, you read about it online is scary. And the reason we created the course is kind of th these ideas that you should fear your toaster or you should fear uh, a blender or things like that. And I, I made these mistakes in my book, to be quite honest, where I did talk about the fact, you know, a blender will emit strong, large magnetic fields. It's very intense. You shouldn't put your face right next to the Vitamix while it's blending. No one does that. The noise is kind of very overwhelming anyway. But how much time does that represent in your day? Well, not that much. It's like a one-minute task, even if you do it daily. Compare that to sitting in an office environment 
and maybe you have a, a Wi-Fi connected computer right in front of you. Well, now it's 40 hours, 50 hours, some people 80 hours per week that you're exposed to Wi-Fi. So you shouldn't worry about your toaster that much. You shouldn't worry about these things that are occasional bouts of exposure or even these things that maybe you have something that you consider very EMF dirty, but it's kind of outside somewhere in your yard and no one is there. So if it's not close to your body, you shouldn't really worry about these exposure first. So it's, it really comes down to priority. So in your situation, maybe it's, it's not that much of a, a big deal if no one is in the bedroom during the day while it's open and when they're in the bedroom at night, well, it's turned off anyway. So you're already doing uh, very good, I think. Oh, and I got to say, I did notice a big difference right after we saw you speak. I think it was two, three years ago. Yeah. I went ahead and put a cage, I put the kill switch, and I saw a massive change in my sleep quality. Wow. So like you were saying earlier, you don't ever know if, if that's what your baseline is until you remove some of these interferences. And then you see these actually these big changes in quality. And then I have a, a something I, I, I really want to share. So, you know, you educated us so well. When I came back, I had a patient, I think within the next couple of months come in. It was one of my clients that I see. She brought her daughter in and her daughter was having horrible migraines. And she had talked, mm -hmm. taken her daughter, to, her daughter to see a neurologist and, the do and he put her on medication for migraines at seven, at seven years old. Wow. And so I'm looking at her like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. So I immediately start talking to her and I said, well, how does she sleep? She's like, oh, she's never slept well since she was born. I was like, well, what do you mean? They're like, she doesn't sleep. She gets up every night. She rolls into our bed. This little girl came into the office. She's got like dark black circles under her eyes. She's pale. I mean, she, you can just tell she's struggling. So, you know, I do my thing. I'm a chiropractor. I check her neck. There's a little bit there, not enough to where it would be concerning that that's causing her problems. So I talked to her mom. I said, do you guys have Wi-Fi in your house? And she goes, yeah. I said, where's the modem? Oh, it's in her bedroom. <laughs> Jeez. I said, really? I said, okay, well, let's do this. Let's just experiment. I said, I want you to take the modem out of her bedroom and let's just see what happens. So that was on a Wednesday. And this girl's migraines were so bad. She was puking almost every other day. I mean, she just looked really rough. So that was a Wednesday. I got a text from her mom by Friday saying that her headaches were starting to get a little bit better. We're still there but her sleep was already improving. She's like, she didn't come and roll into our bed. Her sleep quality has already improved. And that was just two days later. By Saturday, she said her headaches were gone and that her daughter was sleeping through the night, not getting up out of bed anymore. And so I saw the girl the next week, black circles were gone, circulation was back in her face and she has not had migraines since. Wow. So the funny thing is they roll back to the neurologist and tell them this story after they go follow up with him. And he kind of just like shoves it off, kind of like, whatever, you'll be back in because she has migraines. But she never had, she has not had headaches since then. And she has like the best sleep since she was born at seven years old, just from us removing this interference. So, I, I mean, I'm in complete agreeance with you when you lectured us that day. Like I, I was right on the same page with you, man. But when you see it in action, you know, and you see that people don't really know these things and they're just not aware that these are contributing factors to, to their health. It's massive when you see those changes that quick and that fast. And, and I see it, man. I see a lot of headaches that roll in here where they think they're migraines and they have poor sleep. And, and it's, oh, where's the modem? Oh, it's in my bedroom. And so it's a very common thing, I think, that a lot of people are dealing with and they're just completely unaware, man. 
Yeah, and if you listen to the industry, unfortunately, and our health authorities, and that's the problem. And it's not like it's not like the FCC is a health authority. The FCC is an agency in the states, at least uh, federal communication commissions, that is to serve the industry and work with the industry to roll out signals, right? And they're kind of also also the ones responsible for health. So it's madness. But in Canada, I mean, we have safety code six, and it's so permissible that you could get exposed. I mean, you could sleep with, I think you could have a, a Wi-Fi router as your teddy bear and they would still call it safe or uh, they would call it no impact whatsoever. And in other countries, they would think this is crazy talk because, you know, Italy at the moment has six volts per meter limit. Uh, Canada would be 41. And um, in, in intensity level, it's in fact multiple, uh, it's almost Canada is a like, hundreds of thousand times higher if you talk about power density levels. But anyway, just to say that in other countries, they're trying to maintain these low levels, which already lead to problems in many people. But here in Canada, it's it's complete free for all. So it's so permissive that it's completely crazy. And, you know, it's uh, I, I'm getting almost emotional by your story because I'm I'm a theory guy. I'm here in front of a computer researching this and uh, creating my book and, and whatnot. And then when I get testimonials or especially from health practitioners like you guys, then I realize it's real. But unless I have those reports, sometimes I start to doubt myself. But I think it's more common than we can uh, think. And, you know, researchers have been trying to quantify um, how many individuals or what's the percentage of occurrence of electrohypersensitivity in populations. Um, a few researchers are working on it. They're not popular. They're not the most uh, well-paid scientists or esteemed because this topic, no one wants to touch it with a stick, right? So you have Dr. Magda Havis from Trent University in, in Ontario, uh, Canada, and uh, she said that according to her estimates, she's been spending decades and decades on this and other environmental toxins. She said that 35% at the moment of the entire population is already suffering from mild to moderate symptoms. And that would be pretty much what you described, like loss of sleep, maybe headaches. And then she said 3% to maybe 5% are completely debilitated. So in other words, they have something that we would call a chronic disease like MS or Alzheimer's or something like heart, massive heart palpitations where people go from hospitals to hospitals with doctors that have like mystery illness level uh, debilitation. And it could be millions of individuals, like tens of millions. So we don't know exactly. It's a, it's a kind of Pandora's box, which is, which is why, I mean, and this is heavy stuff to think about, but our approach is, you know, Again, what, what you recommended is non-threatening. It's like, okay, let's do a test. <laughs> let's remove these things and see how you feel, right? It doesn't cost a dime. I'm not selling you anything. You can purchase the course to learn how to do it a little bit more precisely, things like that. But I'm not trying to stuff you with a pill or tell you, oh, this is going to, going to cure your, all your problems. You just remove the, the offending agents for a few days, see how you feel. Another maybe another angle to look at it that I, I don't know if I shared that in my presentation in Vegas, but it's the EMF vacation idea that is also very popular in the environmental toxin movement and our environmental medicine um, uh, practitioners or, or doctors. Like you get out of the environment and see how you feel. So you go camping with uh, nothing really like you try to heat healthy and have a, a natural lifestyle. You don't bring the phone, of course. So you do a, a kind of one week EMF detox some people see their life change 
they, their body is back on track. And then when they come back home, they, they slowly deteriorate to go back to their old baseline. And what it means is that you could have mold, you could have EMFs, you could have chemicals, you could have uh, uh, family stress where you, <laughs> you come back to the home and you have uh, spousal abuse and things like that. Of course, you're going to come back to the same health problems. But the idea is just to get out of your environment and see how you feel and then tell yourself, this is not a fluke. This is my real baseline. This is my real health in a natural environment. Then try to figure out what is sick in my environment. Is it that when I go home, I'm stressed with work? Could be that, but could be a combination of things. And for most people, EMF play a big role. What I hate about EMFs is that doctors, like the doc you talked about, the neurologists, are, are simply uh, clinging to this idea that there's no effect. And this is really slowing down our understanding because, gosh, we could have Wi-Fi routers that turn off automatically when no one is uh, plugged on them, right? So uh, machines that turn off automatically, uh, cell phone towers, imagine uh, in, a, in the countryside, you have no one connected to the tower, it goes in uh, sleep mode. How about that, right? We could drop the levels 99% in cities if we only use smarter technologies that is built with uh, the same principles that we use in nuclear radiation, like uh, as low as reasonably achievable, the ELARA principle. And it states, it's very simple. If you don't have benefits from an exposure that is nuclear in that case, but it could be a Wi-Fi exposure, you don't get benefits. So you're not doing anything with it. You're not surfing the internet, getting educated or uh, connecting with, uh, with uh, loved ones or uh, calling a cop because you need help or an ambulance. Well, you're not getting benefit from an exposure. So your Wi-Fi at night is a good exposure of a very needless, useless, destructive use of technology because it's just there. It's just emitting and kind of banging you on the head while you sleep. So if you don't have benefit, you should remove it. So that's really our, our, our approach is not to... You know, a lot of people feel overwhelmed at first, like, oh, oh, you're telling me I'm going to remove all the technology from my home. But it's not that it's it's try these things and try to find the levels that are that are of comfort to you and try to minimize exposure. We cannot go back to no exposure at all. No electricity, live in a shack, live in a, in a cave. Right. But we can go to levels that are way lower than the average person. And the Wi-Fi example was perfect because they did not turn off the outside cell phone towers right? A lot of people are focused on these towers and say, you know what, I'm exposed by the towers and the neighbor's Wi-Fi and it's all hopeless, right? It's not the case. The, the machines that you install in your home oftentimes are responsible for the bulk of your exposure. So this is why it's, it's good hope that you listen to this and you take action. It's, it will make a difference. Even if you don't go to extremes, kind of move to the countryside where there's no towers, right? So for a lot of people, even these simple steps, these seemingly simple steps make a bunch of difference. Yeah, I love that you said that, Nick. I mean, it's, it's these little things that we do to, to decrease that, that, that direct exposure. I love that 3D formula that you shared as well. I think that's really an easy step-by-step -step process for people to, to start to engage. So, so before we got on the call, we talked a lot about like emergent technology, new things, and there's been a whole lot of fear uh, and frustration around 5G rollout. And, and we yeah. talked about like the, the, like blaming everything on 5G. And I love how you keep coming back to it. it's a holistic picture. We have to look at everything. We just want to mitigate stress wherever we can. So let's talk a little bit about 5, 5G because I know people are thinking sure. about that in regards to EMF. Well, you know, 5G is the fifth generation of cellular networks. 
before 5G, so let's just put 5G aside. Let's say we are in uh, 2017 when I wrote my book. 5G wasn't, wasn't even started. It started in early 2018, if I'm not mistaken, with a few tests in uh, downtown areas of certain cities like Austin, Texas, and maybe New York City and things like that. Nowadays, 5G is a little bit more rolled out, but it's still in its uh, infancy as far as a rollout goes worldwide. Well, in 2017, science was clear that EMFs are a stressor, it's a class 2B carcinogen, and I would argue the science is going towards class 1 carcinogen in the future next to tobacco and asbestos. So asbestos, uh, people know not to mess with this stuff. Tobacco, people still smoke, but they know the risks. And you've got pretty ugly pictures on the packaging. So we don't have ugly pictures on the Wi-Fi router packaging. It's the opposite. Yeah. It's like sleek design and things. Oh, this is sexy. It's pretty much as sexy as the doctors who recommended to smoke camels because it was cool, right? Same, same idea. We're right in this, uh, in this era that we're going to consider the era of stupidity 50 years down the road. Mm. But we're here right now. We're living it. And most people believe it. So that's just the reality. Uh, so 4G... And before that, 3G and 2G, it was already a big, big, big problem. Now you add 5G to the mix. What, what do you guys think happened? Well, it, it, it's getting worse. So more exposure, more complexity of the, in the signal, and more chaos to biology. So it's very simple to understand in my mind. A lot of people have been so focused on 5G. I see, you know, people who want to oppose 5G, but um, they don't necessarily do these steps at home, turn off the Wi-Fi or, or, or start using their cell phones less often or use it on a wired manner like I talked about in the beginning of the interview. So it's unfortunate that so many people are focused on stopping 5G, but don't realize that everything before that will still be a problem even if I, uh, I just do that when my fingers snap and 5G is gone still a big problem. Scientists have been warning the world, some of them since uh, the 1970s, that the health impacts are very serious. In, in the 1970s, it was around the military personnel that was exposed. Uh, and already they had problem and military personnel, uh, generally speaking, it was young, healthy men that already were suffering from exposure to radar range, which is a similar range as a Wi-Fi uh, signal that we're getting now. So, you know, to me, 5G is just more of a bad thing. So when people see that uh, 5G is rolling out to my city, don't think, oh, it's the only enemy. No, all these sources contribute to distress. If you get a 5G antenna right in front of your home, it's bad news because, again, it, you want to turn off your own router. And maybe you listen to this interview and you tell yourself, you know what? That sucker is going to go. No Wi-Fi at home. Well, now you have the tower, except 5G is way closer to most people's home compared to 4G because they install these, uh, these, uh, these different antennas. Sometimes there's a 4G and 5G combo in neighborhood areas, and sometimes it's every 3 to 12 homes, or at least that's the industry's plan. So it's saturation and saturation and saturation of that electropollution. So it's, it's really uh, the good analogy here is with air pollution. Imagine that we are in 2021. Everyone knows that smog is bad. Uh, the WHO has said, uh, I don't remember the statistic. I'm going to butcher it. I think it's 7 million deaths per year from smog uh, that are known and probably underestimated, directly linked to smog, especially in uh, developing countries where immune systems are already 
horrible because of uh, bad water and insufficient uh, nutrient sufficiency and things like that. But overall, even here, I mean, pneumonias and, and, and the consequences of uh, lung cancer, that's not tobacco re related, also kills uh, thousands, if not uh, tens of thousands in the U.S. alone. So it, it, it's n a known problem. Now imagine that every 3 to 12 home, we put uh, a, a, a little miniature factory uh, like a coal plant and the black smoke comes out and it fills your home and inside and outside and you're in your yard and you're coughing. Well, everyone would think that's nonsense. The problem is that this stuff that we're exposed to, that electro pollution, first, it's not recognized as a problem. So industry is, oh, yeah, go ahead and pollute. It's cool. It's cool to pollute. It means that you have better connectivity, right? So it's the opposite. The agent is is still perceived as cool and cutting edge, just like cigarettes were in, in these camel ads with doctors. Same thing. It's the cool thing to do, right? So that's the problem. And 5G is close to your home, exposing everyone, and it's bad news. What, what can I tell you? So yes, we should oppose 5G. The problem is, okay, let's say we oppose 5G. What's, what's next? 6G. Engineers have been looking since 2018 into 6G and the next generations. And then there's a satellites that are being installed. So the global use of electropollution needs to be taught about in a holistic way. We need to reduce our exposure from all sources, especially the ones you have control over. So if it's your Wi-Fi, well, no one's going to tell you how to use your Wi-Fi at home. You own a home, you own the place, you can do whatever you like. Uh, if you don't own the place, we have other strategies for that. But uh, if you're a renter, for example, or you cannot turn off the Wi-Fi at night, what do you do? Well, there's all sorts of things that you can do. And this is why we should focus on that. So you can get involved. There are certain organizations that are tremendous, like 5GCrisis.com, which is a, a group of almost thousands of organizations trying to fight 5G in different cities and things like that. And I think their work is tremendous. We also need to think, What's going to happen next? So we need to focus, you know, on saying, well, what do we want instead, right? Because we want fast internet. We want our kids to learn from the internet. And uh, we want to be able to do calls like these because it's uh, we're the Zoom generations during pandemic times and whatnot. And even without a pandemic, I would still be working in front of my computer and trying to spread my message. So it would be high speed fiber optic to every home. We want that. We want every home to be built with ethernet cables. Imagine that. If it would be standard to filter tap water, use non-toxic chemicals, use uh, green technologies for low energy consumption in homes, and also ensure that uh, we have homes with Ethernet cables, well, that's good. Like These are regulations or ideas that could become popularized in, in today's society. So it, it's, it's just that. 5G is more of a bad thing, and we should oppose 5G and, and future use of technologies that are going to increase the problem and embrace technologies that are going to decrease the electropollution problem. So you can call these uh, the, the green technologies of the EMF space, if you want, like the lower EMF technologies would be a good idea. It would be a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. What are some, um, and we're, <clears throat> we're getting near the, the, the close of the interview, but I want to hear like, outside of doing what we can to control our environment, um, I know you're, you're a big fan of hydrogen as well, but is there, is there other tools that you think that you can utilize inside the body to make your body a little more resilient to the environment? Yeah, I, you know, I think that 
probably the most powerful practice should be earthing, uh, going barefoot on, on the earth, especially in natural environments. Because again, if you're in an unnatural environment like a city, uh, and well, first on, on asphalt, you wouldn't get grounded. If it's uh, other materials, you might in a park area, you might, uh, but you might be ele <laughs> electrocuted a little bit too, because there's like underground power lines and all, sor all sorts of things. So generally speaking, I would walk barefoot in the, in the grass, even in Montreal, just as a, as a general principle and get sun also, which is another type of natural frequency. What you're trying to do is to balance out your body and to give your body more of these natural earth's frequency. Literally, you're getting DC voltage from the earth when you ground. And if you do it near uh, a beach or you swim in a lake or the sea, you're getting incredible amounts of voltage to your body. And what is, what is it doing on a, on a biological standpoint? It's kind of retuning your electrical body. Your electrical gradient, it's, it's kind of your, your body is picking up the info It's saying, oh, yeah, in fact, these are how like this, this should be the amount of voltage in my cell. This should be what my mitochondria is doing. And all the different systems are kind of balancing themselves out. If you understand the body as a bioelectrical being, it would be kind of your bio, your bioelectrical fix is to get nature and, and in, if you go to a remote area and you're in nature, you're already going, doing kind of a, a good thing because you're getting exposed to a more natural EMF environment. So, so these steps, I think they're critical for so many reasons. Just going in a forest boosts your immunity. Like the research on forest, uh, what is it? Uh, Shin, Shirin forest Yoku, yeah, Yoku yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Forest uh, walking and yeah, yeah bathing, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like the Japanese have understood these things. And I love Japan. I went there for, for a few months and like, this is the kind of science we need. Like you go in nature, and all of a sudden, you've got pine trees shooting terpenes at you and making you a healthier person. And you're like, oh, thank you, trees. In fact, being a tree hugger isn't so uh, uh, old agey anymore. Or uh, I guess it's new agey kind of kind of uh, like <laughs> you, 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 pic you picture me barefoot in a forest and it kind of looks weird, right? But in fact, now science is showing that these things like now we understand why are these practices so helpful? And, and the Japanese are very cutting edge in their approach and they're very close to nature also how they produce food and how they uh, incorporate fitness in, in their society that is very high pace and a lot of work. So it's, it's not a perfect society by any means, but I love that aspect. So you should follow these principles of getting into nature. And I think this is the number one thing you can do. And, you know, if we want to think about uh, technical uh, aspects that can stop EMFs from damaging your body or kind of mop up the damage, if you eat paleo or let's say real food whatever is your version of real food garden fresh local even if it's your own garden it's even better like biodynamic or or permaculture kind of kind of deal you're getting the antioxidants and you're getting the different molecules that are going to stimulate your nrf2 pathway and what this means is your your body's natural production of antioxidant the sod and and catalase and glutathione these internal defenses, not supplements, they can help too, but I'm talking about your natural state of how resilient are you to all this oxidative power that is electropollution. So just the fact that you're eating healthy and going in nature, right there, you're more resilient. So if you put someone eating unhealthy, living in a city, never connected to nature, and you expose them to electropollution, 
then you've got a double whammy. And then you understand why most electrosensitives, you will find them in cities on, on, unless they have been forced to move out in order to survive. And most people in cities, they don't realize they're impacted. So that's kind of a, a bad conundrum right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and just given the state of where we are with uh, the current crisis in the world, I mean, we're seeing more people affected by immune assault in living in a city versus, you know, in country spaces in the forest yeah. and, and smaller communities, right? So, uh, David, anything you want to say before uh, we, we kind of wrap up this conversation? Well, no, I just love the way he's speaking to this. I just kind of wanted to bring it all together and tell our listeners, like, our body has this bioenergetic intelligence, and it best expresses itself when it's tuned to nature. Like, we talked last week with the with the grounding stuff and everything, like, he, like he's speaking to. I mean, that's what we're tuned to. That's, that's what our body needs to find balance. So I kind of see it like we're living in this synthetic environment all day, that's constantly just disrupting our body's ability to express itself the way we were designed. So like he's saying, if you're not doing these things to help yourself out, then you're not expressing your full potential of what your body is capable of. And then that isn't why you start to get sick. That's why you start not to feel well. So it's just an easy way. I think I just simplified in my head, but honestly, like we live in, in, a, in a time where we have to do these things. We have to go the extra mile to look out for ourselves in these environments that we live in. And, and we're going to, and I believe, you know, it's going to have to continue because I believe these things are going to have to change from the bottom up. You know, I understand that, you know, change is needed, but it's going to take the people having to do the work. I think right now of just, you know, making it safe for themselves and making sure they're taking care of themselves. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, uh, so much, growth happens from an adaptive stress and clearly, you know, it's going to have to come from these decisions of going back to nature and, and tuning ourselves into that voltage uh, of, of the planet. So, um, I mean, people are going to tune in this, this podcast, you know, okay, I got to know more because there's so much information here. I want to know how to hack my home so I can more effectively, you know, be in resonance and uh, mitigate some of those stresses. So, Please, Nick, you got so many amazing resources. Obviously, you got the book, but you got uh, you got the the course that you that you're launching. And it's it's kind of you know people can jump in, but there's there's if they get this call sooner than later, if they get this when this is released, they may be able to get uh, a discount uh, by acting early. Uh, and they also have a summit coming up. I would love for you to share some details where people can get all this information. Sure. So the new course I launched is in collaboration with Brian Hoyer. He's an EMF mitigation specialist from the U.S. from a company called Shielded Healing. And what Brian brought to the table is really the application, the implementation phase of, of my work. I, I did not uh, and I still don't have the experience as an EMF mitigation specialist that goes to people's home. Brian has gone to more than a thousand families in the last four four or five years. So he has so much experience of what works, what you should remove, what the levels are. And in reality, we created this course with the simple idea in mind to, okay, you're, you're convinced that EMFs are bad. How do I fix it? 
right? So we go through this 3D system and we also teach you about the different types of EMFs that, uh, that each play a role in augmenting your stress. So when you start removing the sources, maybe you don't feel it at first, you remove one, two, three, four, but then you start cleaning up the bedroom, you start feeling better. And then maybe you clean up your living room because you're spending some time there reading a book or watching TV. And you again, the 3D system, right? Duration. So we teach you step-by-step step how to clean up your own from EMS. And uh, the, the discount we have is pretty substantial. We have a $100 off uh, until Monday the 31st. So I think it's right after this interview is posted. So if you're interested, just go to electropollutionfix.com and you just uh, check it out. It's a very organized course, very professional. And um, people love it, you know, some people have, have taken it and it's the first time they hear about EMS. Some other people have heard about EMS 10 years ago, or even someone told me, you know, I've been doing things for EMS since the 90s, so like 30 years ago, but it wasn't cool. It was super fringe. And even with that in mind, with 30 years of experience, I still learned some things in there about, uh, we teach about artificial light also, the light environment and how it might impact your sleep. So it's a very thorough course, but it's also very simplified where we don't dive into a lot of hard science and all the solutions are prioritized for solutions that are free, habit-based, so you don't have to really, uh, for it to cost a dime, or it's pretty affordable, like a, you know, a wave cage for your Wi-Fi router, or even a small converter for an Ethernet cable that's 10, 20 bucks. And these solutions really move the needle, and you don't have to pay hundreds of dollars. So we also... Mm -hmm. Through this course, we're trying to prevent people from spending more money on the wrong solutions because when you uh, scour the internet for solutions, it becomes super overwhelming and a lot of people spend in the wrong direction on all sorts of gizmos. And some of our course members have told us, you know, in, in a little bit in embarrassment, but also uh, because in they, they wanted to... Uh, prevent others from doing so like I spent two thousand dollars before discovering your course and I did not go anywhere like I bought paint didn't know what to do with it and uh, I bought a uh, pyramid and I don't know if it works and you know a lot of random purchases based on like fueled by sheer anxiety of EMFs like oh my god I need to fix it now we want people to calm down, be educated in a science-based manner about like what works, what products actually move the needle, and then you mitigate your environment following the 3D system. And it's not a one-size-fits-all because it depends on what your problems are at home on an EMF standpoint and how you can fix them in a way that your family will get on board with. So it's also strategic in a way where you don't purchase a course and then feel frustrated because your spouse doesn't like that or... A, doesn't understand and we also have strategies to get people on board so it's a very thorough uh approach to let's say apply the book or apply the information you've learned and then i guess the summit is just something cool that i'm mentioning for the first time publicly uh, so you have the exclusive uh scoop here it's called uh, emf hazards and it's a it's a cool you know there's a lot of summits these days i want to do something a little bit different it's going to be a quick summit uh four day 20 interview summit uh something that is in fact watchable <laughs> so you can go through it uh 20 to 30 minute interviews about uh top leaders in the emf space you're going to learn about health effects of emfs the science how you can get involved also and also about some uh, mitigation steps so it's a hundred percent free event it's going to be on september 30th to october 3 if i'm not mistaken so that's four day exactly uh and uh i'm excited for that. that's the first time i put something together like that i wanted to uh join the movement of this 
free online education kind of thing. And um, I think it's going to be exciting. There, there's some uh, top, le top leaders in the MS space and top scientists that are going to uh, talk, including Dr. Martin Paul, mm. which uh, now I have to record his interview 100% because I didn't mention it live. But he told me he would do it. So I'm crossing fingers. He's someone very hard to get a, a hold of, but he's a genius in his field. So it's really my honor to present this information for free to the public. That's incredible. And one last, one last one, just to plug for sure. your, for your website, the EMF, the EMF guy.com as well. You can yep. get that information there too. Uh, Nick, I mean, you're such a, a boatload of information and, and thank you so much for taking time to share with us today. I know that there's things that I'm going to do to tighten up our protocol at home as well. And, and I'm sure that anyone who's listening is tuning into the same thing and please check out the course. I mean, this is, This is something that I think that we all need more education on and we need guidance. So, you know, do the right thing and then and, and do this for your family, for yourself and, and learn more about this because uh, uh, this, this may be planted a seed, but now you got to know how to actually take action on it. So, David, thank you so much thoughts? guys for having me. It was, it was hey, lovely. Hey, just, just, just like when we met in, in, in <laughs> Vegas and I, I, I think the, Uh, when we did a quick live, it was just like that. You guys are really on the same page, and I really appreciate it a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to The Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.